0: Be seated. First John. If you go to chapter 2. Chapter 2. And center your attention on verse 17. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Julie and I were commenting over lunch how great it is for these men and the wonderful job that they're doing in helping us to prepare our minds to take the Lord's Supper. Today was no exception. appreciate Brother Kyle and the... uh, these men walk up here with handwritten or typed notes. They've obviously given great thought uh, into what they want to say. And uh, again, I just want to say to you men who are here and those who might hear later that uh, appreciate so much the work that you're putting into helping us with that aspect of our worship. It is, uh, it is great, and we really, really appreciate it. I had a couple things I wanted to mention before we get into the sermon tonight, and again, I'll be fairly brief, but got a text this afternoon from Jeff Morris and he said his dad, Jim, has been in the hospital for the last five or six days in the Dallas area uh, suffering with COVID. And so he asked that we be praying uh, for his father, Jim. And so please uh, add Jim Morris to your prayer list. Jeff said he would keep me updated as, uh, as anything happened. He, they had changed the medications and they were feeling better about the direction that he's going. So uh, we're thankful for that. And I also wanted to mention, uh, you see Sister Cherie here by herself tonight. She was by herself this morning. Uh, brother mike has jumped on an airplane and headed for denver a place he has not been able to go uh, for some time Uh, he's been doing all this virtual uh, over the last year year and a half or so and so he is able actually now to be in person in denver this week and so uh, that will be a great blessing to those young men uh, studying at bear valley and it's going to be a long week for brother mike Uh, he usually starts those mornings about eight and he finishes about five and I'm sure he'll get some counseling in there at some points, people asking him questions, and uh, he just does a great job, and so we appreciate uh, him and his work there at Bear Valley. So please keep him in your prayers this week uh, as he is in Denver. It's a favorite text of, of John's. In First John chapter two. you look at verses 15 through 17, and well, that's just a wonderful thing to think about. It's, uh, Brother Jim read it for us a moment ago, and, and he says that he who does the will of God abides forever. Uh, Again, if that can't put a smile on your face tonight, I'm sorry about you. But we're talking tonight about doing the will of God and abiding with Him forever. Eternal life. That's what the Bible calls that. Eternal life. Uh, In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says that there are those who are unrighteous, who do not obey God, and they will go into everlasting punishment or everlasting destruction, but the righteous will go to eternal life, everlasting life. They will abide forever with God. Now, that is a great thing for us to think about, and I hope tonight that you'll, you'll give that some great thought. Before we get into this text in 1 John, I, I do want, we're talking about the will of God, but I want to point out something I think is important to say. Back in 2 Timothy chapter 2, there is a warning that Paul gives to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I just want to point this out because it will come into play in our context here in just a moment. But in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul has told Timothy in verse 22 to flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And then he says to avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they will generate strife. In humility, or in verse number 24, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses, listen, and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. We're talking about the will of God. But I want to remind you tonight that the devil also has a will. He also has a desire. He also has that which he is trying to accomplish. And that is to bring about the ruin and destruction of men's souls. That's his will. That's his M.O. That's what he's about. And so, you have those who will do the will of God, abiding forever, eternal life, versus those who choose to do the will of the devil and go into everlasting destruction. I'm just reminding you of something simple tonight, and that is that we've got those two choices. We're either going to abide by the will of God, or we're going to give in and abide by the will of the devil. Those are the options that the Bible presents. Now, go running back over with me to 1 John. We are going to look for just a moment. I'm not going to be too long-winded, I don't think, tonight. But in verses 15 through 17, we're going to look at that context mainly. But I'm really, really interested to know, what does John have to say just prior to verse 15? And so I back up to verse number 12. And John says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known Him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father." I have written to you fathers, because you have known Him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Now, this is admittedly somewhat of a difficult text. When you look at it in the original, and you see different tenses and voices that are used. I I wrote this, I have written this, I'm writing to these individuals... Let's not get bogged down too far tonight, but just understand there are three groups of people that John says, I'm writing to. I'm writing to fathers, I'm writing to young men, and I'm writing to little children. Right? You see that? Those are the three groups that he says. I want you to to just think about that in in levels of maturity. He's not saying, uh, women, I'm not writing to you at all. Uh, You know what? Old ladies, I'm not writing to you. Young ladies, I'm not writing to you. Little girls, I'm not writing to you. That's not what he's doing. But he's saying, I've got these three classes. Fathers, young men, and little children. And I want you to think about that in maturity levels in the faith. All right? Now, when John is writing this, the church is very much in an infant state. All right? The church is uh, roughly 50 years old at this point, as John is writing. Now we're 2,000 years removed from Jerusalem in our day and time. But they're about 50 years removed from Jerusalem, give or take, as John is writing 1 John. And yet he says that there are some who have been Christians for a longer period of time. Fathers. There are those who have been Christians a shorter amount of time. Young men. And then there are those who have maybe just become Christians or they're very new in the faith. Little children. Notice what he says to these groups. Just go through it with me. Little children, verse 12, your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. So these are these are people that he's writing to who have been forgiven of their sin. In verse 13, he's writing to fathers. He says, you have known him who is from the beginning. If you go back to 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, this is a clear reference to Jesus. You have known Him in the past, and you continue to know Him even now. You've obeyed Him in the past, and you're continuing to obey Him. So your, your sins are forgiven. You've been obedient to Jesus. Young men, you have overcome the wicked one. All right. So you have not given in to the will of the devil. You have now obeyed the will of God. You See what, what we're describing? How about verse 14? End of verse 13. You have known the Father... That is, you've been adopted into the family of God. So you've got sins that are forgiven. You've overcome the wicked one. You have obeyed Jesus. You've been adopted into the family of God. And then verse 14. Again, you've known Him who is from the beginning. Again, Jesus. And again, He says to young men, you are strong and the Word of God abides in you. I'm at the end of verse 14. You see it? You are strong and the Word of God abides in you. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, Ephesians six and verse ten. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The psalmist said in Psalm one nineteen and verse eleven, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You young men, you have taken in the word of God, and you are strong in the Lord. And he ends by saying, You have overcome the wicked one. Who is he describing? Christians or non-Christians? Saved or not saved? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? Your sins are forgiven you. You've obeyed Jesus. You've overcome the wicked one. You've been adopted into the family of God. You are strong in the Lord, and you have the Word of God abiding in you. That is a picture of a saved person, if I've ever seen one, right? Absolutely. Which is interesting to me then, how he starts verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Doesn't that it interest you? That here he has just described people who are clearly in a right relationship with God. People who have clearly obeyed the gospel. Those who have been Christians for a longer period of time and some for a little shorter amount of time and some for a very short amount of time perhaps. But nonetheless, they're saved. They're in a right relationship with God. But he gives this warning. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. What does that tell you? Doesn't that tell you that whether you've been a Christian for a long time or a short amount of time, that that devil may not be done with you? Doesn't that tell you that that whether you've been a Christian for a great amount of time or a, a short amount of time, that it is possible for you to stop loving God and to love the things of the world? Yeah, that's what that tells me. That's what John is telling these Christians to whom he's writing. It is possible for you to stop loving God and to go back into the world. That is a great possibility for you. I, uh, I would, would never say never. You know, you've heard that expression, never say never. But, you know, I, I hear of, of marriages dissolving after 25, 30 years. And that just baffles me. You know, I, I think if you can make it that long... What happened? Why, what happened to that? You know, if you can be married for that amount of time, what, what, what would get into your life? Or what would happen to, to break that relationship apart? And Of course, there are any number of things that we see happen uh, to those relationships, and that would break those things apart. But, you know, sometimes I wonder if, well, you just get a little too comfortable in that relationship. And Satan just has a way of coming in and trying to break it up. And I'm just saying that whether you've been a Christian for a long time or a short amount of time, he's not done with you, right? And that's what we need to be reminded about. That he's trying to break up that relationship between you and God. And so there is a way to battle against that. And that is total surrender. Do you hear me? Total surrender. That's what this context is really talking about. It's total surrender. God says, I don't need part of you or your life. I don't need a big part of you or your life. I don't need most of you or your life. I need all of it. I need all of it. I need total surrender. And John here in verse number 16, he lays out the toolbox of Satan. You want to know what he's going to use? Well, here's his toolbox Everything basically he's going to throw at you falls into one of these three categories. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. You can go back to the Garden of Eden and you'll see the toolbox greatly on display with Eve and that tree, and that fruit. Uh, she saw it. She was full of pride because she knew that she could be wise like God and it looked good for food. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He used it with Jesus in, in the wilderness, didn't he? All three things. Jesus... Turn those stones into bread. Lust of the flesh. Jesus, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Go ahead and look at all of them with me. Lust of the eyes. Jesus, if you're really the Son of God, throw yourself down and let the angels take charge of you. Pride of life. If you're the Son of God, do that. Pride of life. They all fall into one of those three categories. And I need to be aware of his schemes. And so do you. I'm just reminding us of something tonight that, that really I'm, I'm sure that you're all too aware of. That the devil is really, really good at what he does. He's been at it for a long time. And he is perfecting his craft. And if we get to feeling too confident in self, and we lose sight of God, and we allow things of this world to, to come into our lives and to take over... He's going to win. That's what John is saying to these Christians. He's saying, I'm proud of you. Look at what you've done. Look at who you overcome. Look at where you are in your life. Do not love the world. Now, I'll just say this in passing and move on, but that word love is found three times if you'll look in your copy of God's Word in verse 15. And yes, that is agape love. We talk about agape love, and agape love has at its heart sacrifice, doesn't it? It's at its heart, it says, I will do what is right and best for you. I will look out for you and your best interests above me and mine. And it is possible to be looking out for the world's best interests over God. It's, it's a love of the mind and of the will. It's a love that says, I will decide what to do. I will, you see, I, I don't want to sacrifice at my core. I, I kind of like myself, and I want to look out for old number one. You see, that's kind of built into me a little bit like you, right? And so I've got to make up my mind. I've got to make a choice to sacrifice me for you. And God is saying, you've got to make up your mind, because you have a choice to make. Do not Love the world. It's a choice that you get to make. It's a choice that I get to make because God has instilled that within us. But as Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 24, we cannot be distracted. It is impossible to have two masters. You will love the one and hate the other. You'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. But you cannot love God and mammon. You cannot serve the flesh and God at the same time. I want to remind you of that tonight, because that's exactly what John says. He says it comes down to the will of God. And so I ask you tonight, have you surrendered yourself to God? You see, this world has so many things to distract us, doesn't it? And I think about this, and you think about this, and you wonder, what, what is my biggest distraction? You know, I'm not to love the things in the world, but, but what is it that, that Satan is using to draw me away from God? I think there are polar, polar opposites where, where people find themselves. Do you know that you can have it too good and you can be drawn away from God? You know that's right. You know that it's, in, it's easier to discuss Bible, in my uh, experience, easier to have Bible conversations, Bible studies set up in poorer neighborhoods than it is a rich neighborhood? Why is that? Because they've got it too good. They've done it by themselves. They don't need God. I love to go to Mexico, and talk to those people, and you can you can generate Bible discussions with people. Uh, in my experience, easier sometimes than you can here. I'm not saying that we don't. That's an excuse, and we don't have to have Bible conversations here. But I am saying that that people can have it too good, and you know that's right. And it's easy to love the world when you've got it really good. It's easy to just fall in love with your stuff and. And allow that to carry you through life. The other opposite of that is also true. And that is people can have it too bad. And they get angry at God. And they're not interested in God because their life is so bad. I I just wonder in your life, what's your distraction? What what grabs a hold of you? What is Satan using in your life when it comes to visual? the, The lust of the eyes and things that you see and things that are appealing to you. The lust of the flesh. You know, those things that the flesh desires and and wants to have a part in. What gets you prideful? Thinking more of self than God. Stressors in life. Stress. Stress can be a distraction, can't it? Those bills have got to get paid. I don't know how they're going to get paid, but they've got to get paid. My job is a stress... I'm am just I'm I'm spread too thin. I don't know how I'm going to get all this done. I'm looking at my family calendar and I'm looking at my work calendar and I have no idea how I'm going to do this. My kids are stressing me out, right? I don't know how I'm going to get through this. My kids are spreading me thin. Whether you've got 1 or you've got 8, my kids, they're just stressing me out. How am I going to do this? My parents are getting older. They require so much time and attention. My health is really going downhill. It's really stressing me out. We're, and it, It's a distraction, isn't it? It's the way that Satan works. You see, this love of the world, it's, it's anything that distracts us away from God. It's a choice that we make to say, I'm going to focus here instead of God. And that's what John is warning us Against, And so in verse 17, he reminds us of something very important. I want to say this, and I'm going to sit down. The world is passing away. That's what he says. The world is passing away. We are not going to live forever. I remember Mike telling me just about a year ago when a friend of his, a good friend of his, and a wonderful gospel preacher was diagnosed with cancer. I said, Mike, did you hear about it? Yeah, I've heard about it. Of course he'd heard about it. he says, Adam, none of us are getting out alive. The world is passing away. Why am I falling in love with the world? Why am I allowing the world to distract me from doing the will of God? Why am I allowing relationships in this world to distract me away from God? It's passing away. Yeah. But he who does the will of God continues to do the will of God, abides forever. That's what I've come to remind us tonight. Jesus. Jesus was just waiting for a body. I love that, Kyle. He was just waiting, waiting for a body. When the fullness of time had come, when it was exactly the right time, the body was ready and our Lord was willing to do His Father's will. I just want to follow His example I just want to strive to love him more. I want to hate the world and I want to love Jesus. The word of God abides forever. But the world is passing away. This world is going to melt with fervent heat. It's all going to dissolve. That's what Peter says. And that's what we want to be reminded of. And so tonight as I, again, get ready to sit myself back down and, and you think about these things and I hope they'll stay with you. I hope they'll stay with me. I'm reminded as, as Paul is quoting from Isaiah and Ezekiel combined in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, this is what I leave you with tonight. John, Paul says, Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Come out from among the world. The world is passing away. Do the will of God. Do the will of God. And you'll abide forever with Him. What a blessing. What a gift. Is eternal life that God provides. Who are you in love with tonight? Who has your affection? Where does it lie? Is it really... Is it really with God? Are you really striving to do His will? Have you really surrendered yourself completely to Him? Or has something else grabbed your attention? I have no idea where you are tonight. But if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation and you need to come and ask your brethren to pray with you and you need to beg the forgiveness of God and strength to turn that back around... Well, tonight, we'd be honored to help you any way that we can as your brothers and sisters in Christ. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, though, what better time do you have to surrender yourself right now to God? What better time is there than right now to make your life right? To say, I'm going to quit doing the will of the world. I'm going to get out from under Satan, and I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to obey Him who loved me enough to give His Son for me. Come to Jesus tonight. You believe that He is the Christ, the Son of God. Are you ready to repent of your sin? Are you ready to confess your faith in Him as the Son of God to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? Tonight, everything is ready. This is the time. Respond if you must. Respond if you need to. All together we stand and sing.